I was raised by my grandparents, and my grandfather had one way of doing things, his way. <laughs> and when I was 24, he came to me and he asked me to be the executor of his will. And I asked him, what was it he wanted me to do after he died? And when he told me, I got all this stress inside because there were things I didn't want to do to other family members on his behalf. <laughs> And I really wanted to please him, but I couldn't say yes to all this stuff. So I told him, no, I couldn't be his executor. And he did what most people do when you tell them no. He got angry. You know, When you listen to your own yes and no, other people are gonna get angry or they may get disappointed. Boundary setting will unleash emotions. That's Sari Gilman. She's a marriage and family therapist and she was speaking a couple years ago at a TED conference. And I, like, I, I wonder what you think or what you feel when you hear her talk about stuff like that, you know? Like as you think about your own life and times that maybe you've had to say no to people and you know, their request to you or what they want from you. And you know, maybe when you said no, it unleashed you know, emotion in them or maybe they're frustrated with you, or, or maybe they're angry with you, or maybe they're hurt. I, I think her statement is um, really interesting. She said, boundary setting will unleash emotions. I think you agree with that. Like, have you seen that to be true in your own life? I, I think that's what makes setting boundaries so hard, you know? Because we know when we do it, it's gonna unleash emotions in other people, and then it unleashes emotions in us too, right? Because we don't wanna hurt other people. I had a time, um, this is years ago in my life, where I had to set um, some really hard and fast boundaries with somebody. So this was, this was a guy that, you know, he's a friend of mine, and I really cared about him, and he was a, he's a good guy, he was a good guy, and, um, He had a lot of pain in his past. He had a lot of really hard things in his life that, that he was dealing with. And um, over time, that pain sort of hardened for him into cynicism. And, and then as time goes on, that cynicism hardened a little bit more into frustration, kind of frustration with life. And then it hardened a little more into anger and, and meanness at times. Like there were just times when he was mean, just flat out mean. And, uh, and yet I cared for him, you know? Like I, 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 I felt like God had lined um, him up in my life, you know? Like God had connected um, us in some way and I thought I wanna help him, you know? Like I wanna, in whatever way that looks, I wanna be helpful to him. And so I took an interest in him, you know, in his life, which he was one of those guys that um, many people didn't take an interest in. Many people would, Uh, ignore or they would keep at uh, arm's distance or that when they saw him they would just kind of look right through him and so as I took interest in him um, he wanted to spend more time with me and more time with me and more time with me like my life my time he wanted and at first I, I tried to accommodate him you know like I, I thought I, I feel like God has put you into my life and I want to help you you got a lot of pain that you're going through I want to help you 
process that pain. So every time he call me, if I missed his call, I'd call him back every single try, time. I tried to be patient with him. You know, I tried to encourage him. I, I, when he had questions, which he had a lot of questions, I tried to give him godly answers to those questions. But it never seemed to be enough, you know. Like it was never enough for him. He always wanted more. He wanted more of me. He wanted more of my time. And so as time went on, it became clear to me that like all of this that I was doing for him, trying to help him, wasn't actually helping. You know, like if, I, if I'm honest and I step back, I think I want to help him. But if I look objectively, I'm like, it's not helping. Everything that I'm doing is not helping. Instead, what it's doing is it's exhausting me. It's frustrating me and not helping him. And, you know, it's interesting. I look back and, and uh, we kind of talked about, I talked about this a little bit last week in terms of uh, marriage. We talked about marriage last week. I look back at my friendship with him and I think, I think he was trying to get things out of me that only God could fill in his life, right? Like we talked about this last week. We said, you know, sometimes we could look to other people to make us whole, you know, to complete us, right? And I think if I'm honest, I look back, I, I think he was trying to fill this void that only God could fill inside of him with me because I was there, you know, I was a tangible person in his life. And so it became clear that uh, I needed to set some boundaries with him. You know, I needed to, I needed to kind of put up some parameters, some fences, one for myself and for my own sanity, you know, like I love him, I care about him, but like I, I can't give every waking moment to him and frustrate him. And then for him too, because even though he felt like being with me as much as possible was what was going to help him, that's not going to help him. I wasn't the one who was going to solve all his problems. God was going to be able to solve all his problems. And when he spent so much time with me, he couldn't see his need for God. And so I set some boundaries with him. And, uh, and it was hard, you know. I set boundaries on the time that we spent together. I set boundaries on uh, the things that we would talk about when we were together, the things that we wouldn't talk about when we were together. And there were times that he uh, w didn't um, follow the boundaries that we set in place. He kind of broke the boundaries that we set in place. And so I had to like enforce some, some uh, repercussions, I guess, or some consequences to that because he broke the boundaries. He knew the boundaries and he broke the boundaries. And so we had to do something about that. So there'd be times when I said, no, because you broke these boundaries, we're not going to hang out as much. Because you broke these boundaries, um, Marsha and I are not going to have you over for dinner as we planned. There, there were literally times when he would call and call and call, and I would, have to, I, I would literally have to hang up the phone on him, which I hated to do. I hated that. And yet I look back at that, and, and it, it unleashes emotions for sure. You know, you set these boundaries. He was not happy with the boundaries. He wanted, like, unlimited access to me in my life, and I couldn't give him that. And so there's, it's emotional, right? And then for me, there's emotions that unleashes as well. However, one of those emotions was not guilt. I didn't feel guilty for setting the boundaries, <coughs> excuse me, because I knew that that, <coughs> excuse me, that was what was best for him, right? Like, that's what was best for his life. It was what was best for me, and it was also what was best for him. And so here's my point. Boundaries in our relationships are sometimes necessary. Right? Boundaries in our relationships are sometimes necessary. If we neglect it, uh, it can be very frustrating and very painful for us as well as for the other people. And so this week, I'm excited. We're going we're gonna to talk about 
um, boundaries. And, you know, I was, I, last night as we had our service, there's some new people there, and I thought, to a new person, like, if this is the first time that you've come and you don't have any context for the rest of the series, this could sound like kind of a weird talk, right? Like, we put boundaries around us and we don't let people in, and, and that's not exactly what boundaries are. But um, what we're going to talk about this morning, I want you to take in context. So we've been doing this series um, about relationships, right, called It's Not You, It's Me. And so throughout this series, kind of a mini-series, really, it's only the third week. This is the last week of it. Next week, by the way, we're starting a new series that really is about relationships as well. It's about starting new relationships. It's called Go. And I'm really excited about this. This is kind of a series that we've been building up to for a while, so I'm really excited to dig into that. Um, but we've been talking about relationships and the value of relationships. And so as we talk about boundaries today, it's all in the context of us saying, man, relationships are really, really important, right? Like it's really, really important to open up our lives and allow other people in. God made us for relationships. So we have to take it in that context. So a couple weeks ago, um, when we started this series, we started off talking about friendship and really the value of friendship and what it looks like for us to be, uh, what it looks like to be a good friend and what it looks like for me to be a good friend to other people. And we just kind of dug into that. And then last week, we talked about marriage. We talked about what the marriage relationship was about. And we said the marriage relationship is really about three things. Deep mutual love, right? Like unconditional love, deep mutual respect, right? Like I am going to respect you for who you are, not try to change you to who I want you to become, but respect you to who you are, and, and deep mutual submission by the husband and the wife. And we talked about marriage and we called it, I got this from John, I just like it, we call it a death pact. You know, it's a death pact. I choose to die to myself. When I get married, when I got married to Marcia, I choose to die to myself, right? So that the old selfish me, that kind of life is all about me, is done. And I go, no, I want to put you ahead of me, right? And this applies to both men and women. This applies to both husbands and wives. And you go, why do we do that? Why would, like, death pact, that sounds morbid. Why do I need to die to myself in marriage? Because I love her, right? Because we love our spouse. And, and we talked about, we kind of dug into what this means, but we said we want our marriage to be an expression of the gospel, right, this sacrificial love, this submission, this deep, deep respect. So we talked about that last week, and, and throughout both of these weeks, we, I, I, we had some kind of big overarching, I don't know, ideas or truths that apply to all of the relationships that we're in, right? So all of the relationships that we're in, whether it's friendship or marriage or, you know, uh, other family relationships or relationships with difficult people or whatever, there's some things that are always true. One of these things is this, God made you and me to be in relationships, right? Like this is how he made us. And we said God is a relational God. It's interesting, like, and, and we had one minute to talk about this, but I encourage you to think about this. Like, God is one God, three persons, and he is in perfect relationship with himself all the time, right? That's like, that's the core of who God is. He's a relational God, and the Bible says that you and I are made in his image, and part of being made in his image is that you and I are made to be in relationships. He's a relational God. We're made for relationships, and if we don't have relationships or deep, meaningful relationships, we feel it. Like, we, we're not as good, right? Relationships make us better. And so you feel loneliness when we're not in those. It's like God made us to be in relationships. That's the first thing. It applies to all of our relationships. The second thing that we talked about, we said the gospel drives the way that I live in these relationships, 
right? And we said, this is, this is the most significant thing. If there's nothing else you get in this series, but we could grab hold of this and think about the implications, apply this to our life, it changes everything. Like when I get it, when I, when I understand and personalize the gospel, right, I understand that God loves me absolutely unconditionally. Even though at times I'm really unlovely, right? Like I am sinful at times and I've been sinful many times in my life, yet he still loves me unconditionally, so much so that he sent Jesus, his son, to die for me, to take the punishment that I deserve so that I could be in relationship with him. That's the gospel, like the core of the gospel. And we go, when we get that, when I understand that and I personalize that in my life, and I'm like, God loves me completely, unconditionally. Therefore, I'm gonna love other people. Like, what drives my love for other people? God's love for me. Not guilt, not it's the right thing to do, I know I really should. No, God loves me deeply and unconditionally, so I deeply love other people. God has forgiven me. I I have offended God in ridiculous ways, right? Like, all of my life, I've done offensive things to God. And so God has forgiven me so deeply and completely, there's nothing that anybody else on this planet has done more to me than I've done to God. And if God forgives me, then I forgive other people. God's been so gracious to me, I'm gracious to other people, right? Like as I get the gospel, it drives the way that I live in relationships. It actually drives the way that I live my life. If we could get that, that is huge. So it applies to all of our relationships, right? The third thing that we talked about, we said, as spiritual maturity increases, selflessness increases, right? So as my relationship with God deepens, I become more spiritually mature As I become more spiritually mature, I become more selfless. Life becomes less about me, it becomes more about God and other people. And as I become more selfless, I become better in my relationships, right? I become a better friend, I become a better husband, I become a better son, I become a better neighbor, whatever it is, you name the relationship. And conversely, when my relationship with God is shallow and superficial, then I am more spiritually immature, right? And as I'm more spiritually immature, I'm more selfish. And when I'm more selfish, I'm worse in those relationships. I'm not as good of a friend because really life's more about me than it is about other people and about God. I'm not as good of a husband. I'm not as good of a daddy, right? And so all of these things, so really the core, if I wanna get, if you sit here this morning, you're like, I don't know, I wanna get better in my relationships. I'm not very good at relationships. I had had, uh, a conversation with somebody this week that said something like that. I'm not very good in relationships. If you wanna get better in relationships, it all flows from our relationship with God, right? Like as I get him and who he is more, it drives the way that I live in my relationships. So that's that's kind of applies to all of our relationships that we've been talking about. That's where we've been over the last couple weeks. This morning I wanna talk about boundaries, okay? And, and this is, here's an interesting question. I want you to just sort of chew on this a little bit as we begin this conversation on boundaries, ready? If the gospel drives the way that I live in relationships, I just got done saying that, and sometimes boundaries are important in relationships, and they are, we'll see that from the Bible here in a few minutes, what do you think it looks like for the gospel to drive the way that I set boundaries in my life? Like, if, if the gospel drives the way that I live in relationships, and boundaries are actually an important part of relationships, what does it look like for the gospel? Not my frustration, not my disgust, right? Not my busyness, but the gospel to drive the way that I set boundaries in my life. That's an important question, okay? And so that's, I hope by the time we're done this morning, I can answer that question um, at least a little bit for us, okay? Like what does it look like for the gospel to drive the way that I set boundaries in my life with my family? 
with my friends, with my neighbors, with my work, with my life, okay? So probably an important place for us to start is to, to really define what boundaries are. Like, what exactly do we mean by boundaries? When I, when I um, want to understand boundaries better, uh, there's one guy that I really like to listen to and read. It's a guy named Henry Cloud. So he wrote a book along with John Townsend um, years ago now called Boundaries. Exactly what it is. And uh, super successful book. Probably some of you guys have read that book. Really good book. So successful that they spun off about 10 other books with it. So it's like boundaries in marriage, boundaries with your kids, boundaries with whatever. Um, but anyway, when he talks about boundaries, I really like how he explains it because he does it really simply. And so he says what boundaries are, in essence, all boundaries are are property lines, right? And so think of like your, your property, your house, whatever that looks like, or your, or your friend's house. So we have property lines. What do property lines do? Well, property lines show where my property ends and where my neighbor's property begins, right? And vice versa. That's what property lines do. And so property lines show, they define ownership, right? And so within my property lines... I own what's on the inside. And as it defines ownership, if we know who the owner is, then we know who controls it, right? So Marsh and I control what's on the inside of our property lines to a certain extent, right? And if we know who owns it and we know who controls it, then we know who's responsible for it, right? And so in the material world, like in, in our homes, in real estate, a lot of times around our property line, we put up fences, right? And we put up fences to restrict access, to our property, to kind, of, to kind of guard our property, because we have people all around us. We're not the only people on the planet, right? Like, we have people all around us, and so we have people all around our properties, and so we want to restrict access. Why do we do that? Well, we want to keep out what we want to keep out, right? So I want to keep uh, burglars out. I want to keep, you know, thieves out. I want to keep uh, random animals out of my yard. That's why I put up a fence, and we want to keep in what we want to keep in, right? What do we want to keep in? Well, my pets, you know, my dog, my children, uh, my patio furniture, like all that stuff you want to keep inside of your, of your boundary lines, right? And as the ones who have ownership and control and responsibility of everything within those property lines, then we determine what we allow on the inside, right? And we determine how long we allow it to be on the inside. And we determine how much access we give it, right? Like we don't give everybody that comes within our property the exact same access. Like if, if I'm going to somebody's house for the very first time and I need to use the restroom, I probably don't just go right up to their master restroom, right? Their master bathroom. That's like not a normal thing, right? But if I go to my parents' house, it's their house, it's their property, but I know them really well and they know me really well and I have like unlimited access. So if I need a little privacy, I go up to their master bathroom, right? Like that's a normal thing for us. Okay, so that's the material world. Now think about the immaterial world, right? The immaterial world of our relationships. When we think about that, we need to use wisdom and prayer in doing very much the same thing. So the people that we have relationships with, we allow into our boundaries, right? Like at some level we do. And, and when we do that, we need to use wisdom, right? Because some people we can have very few boundaries with. Right? Like some people we can just open ourselves up and we can allow them right in. Other people we need to have more boundaries with because sometimes the people around us, the people that we have relationships with, they don't take responsibility and they don't take ownership and they don't take control of what's inside their boundary lines. And instead, so like we're talking about problems, right? Issues that people have. 
And instead, if we're not careful, those issues and those problems that they're not taking ownership of can very easily be cast on us, right? And if they're not taking ownership and instead they want us to take ownership, that's not a good thing, right? If it's theirs to own and they're not taking ownership of it, it's their issue, it's their problem, and they're casting it on us, it's not a good thing. And so what do we have to do in those situations? Well, we have to reassess, and we have to reinforce or restrict our boundaries with those folks. That's what's best with that for everybody, right? And so I bet as you sit here this morning, you've had people in your life that have like, that you have a relationship with, that you've allowed inside your property lines, so to speak, right? And they have stuff that they should be taking ownership of. It's their thing. It's their issue. It's their problem. But they look to you and they're like, nope, it's your problem now. And you're like, no, it's not my problem. It's actually your problem, right? It's your issue that you need to take ownership. It's not my issue that I need to take ownership of. And when we're in that point, we, can, we have a couple decisions, right? We can go, all right, yes, I'll, I'll, help, I'll do it. I'll carry your load. I'll, I'll take your problem for, I'll solve your problem for you. Or we can go what I think, what God wants us to do. We can go, no, I'm going to guard myself a little bit. And I'm going to enforce these boundaries because that's not what's best for me and that's not what's best for you. So, so there's a passage in scripture that as I think about boundaries, this is the first thing that just jumped right into my mind. It's, it's a passage that probably, um, uh, I don't know, maybe a lot of us in this room have heard before. It's in the book of Proverbs. So it's been interesting, like as we've been doing this relationship series, I guess I didn't think about this ahead of time or I didn't plan for this. A lot of the passages uh, in the Bible that talk about relationships are in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is, is so practical, like it's so much wisdom and it talks a lot about relationships. So this is in Proverbs 4.23. This is what it says. Above all else, guard your heart, for, from, for everything you do flows from it. I'll read it again. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now think about that statement. Think about, think about what God wants us to get from that statement. Above all else. More literally, that means, and this is interesting, it means more than all the guarding, more than, more than any other guarding that we do in our lives. Like we guard a lot of things in our lives, right? We guard our family, we guard our friends, we guard our wealth, we guard our property, right? What this is saying is more than any of the other stuff you guard, guard your heart. And that word guard, what it means is to keep watch over, right? To keep from, to protect, to preserve, to keep from injury, to keep from harm, to keep from danger, and that word heart, of course, when it says heart, it's not talking about our physical heart, right? What's it talking about? It's talking about you. It's talking about our inner self. Think, think like, what makes you, you? Think about your mind, your volition, your emotions, you, right? That's what it's talking about. More, more than any of the other things that you guard, guard you, guard your heart. Why? Because f- from it, everything flows. When you look at the uh, original language there, so this is Hebrew, it's written in Hebrew originally. When you look at that, it's interesting, as you make it a little bit more literal translation, what it's saying is, because your life exits from it to your extremities. Guard your heart, above anything else, guard your heart, because your life exits from it to your extremities. It's an interesting picture. It's like, it's like a picture of a fountain, right? Like think of a fountain. From a fountain, it, it, everything flows, 
right? The water comes into the fountain and it shoots it up. Everything flows from the fountainhead. And so it's like your heart, your person, everything flows from that to your hands and to your feet, where you go, what you do, to your head, to your mind, right? Like what we think, what we feel. And so what's the saying? Be wise and guard it, right? Guard it. Guys, here's what I know. As we talk about boundaries and guarding ourselves, here's what I know. Some of us in here have our hearts absolutely unguarded. And you sit here this morning and you're like, your heart is wide open, unprotected, no boundaries at all. And what happens when our heart is just wide open, like we got no boundaries overall, what happens to it? It gets stepped on. It gets crushed, right, regularly. And maybe this morning you sit here and you're like, yeah, I, I am, have been completely unguarded and you're hurting and you hate it and it's affecting your life. And here's the worst part of it. Maybe for some of us, it's like, I don't know, it's low self-esteem or something. I'm like, I, I just deserve to be trampled on by other people. Maybe that's some of our issue. Maybe for others of it, we're like, well, I thought that's what I'm supposed to do. I thought, I, I thought that's what Christianity is about. Like, I open myself up to other people, Right? all the time. If somebody's got an issue, I try to carry their issue. I try to help them with their issue. And we're like justifying it, right? Like we think that it's, it's almost our duty as a Christian to be crushed by other people. Like that's Christianly compassion. That's having compassion. I'm taking other people's, I'm opening myself up and getting crushed by them. Guys, that's, that's not Christianly compassion. That's, unwi- that's unwise, right? That's unwise. I would even say it's even unchristian, because we're actually disobeying what God tells us to do. He tells us to guard ourselves, to guard our hearts, to guard who we are, because it affects everything in our lives. And so if that's you this morning, if you sit here and you're like, man, I don't know, I've like, I open myself, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. I open myself up, I, carry, I take other people's problems, and it's frustrating me and it's really hard, but I thought that's what I'm supposed to do. If that's you this morning, I really challenge you to listen to what God says. Allow, allow God's word to speak to your heart this morning. It's interesting, when you, when you go into the New Testament, when you're looking for it, and you're reading in the Gospels, in the life of Jesus, you see how many times Jesus guarded himself. You see how many times Jesus put up boundaries around himself. I'll give you three examples. First one's in Luke 5. Go to the next slide there. This is what it says. Yet the news about him, about Jesus, spread all the more. So Jesus has just done amazing things. The news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And, and you, could, you could read that at first. I, I do. I read that at first. I think, well, that's really a passage about how much time Jesus spends praying. He spends time with his father. And yeah, part of it is. It's also a passage about Jesus putting up some boundaries in his life. He was doing amazing things and they wanted more of him. They wanted to make him something that that was not his mission. Certainly not at this point of his mission. Go to the next passage. This is in John chapter 6. After the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who's to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. They didn't say anything about praying in that one, right? Like they see what he's doing and they're like, you're going to be our king. He's like, nope puts up the wall, and he withdraws. He says, that's not my, that's not my mission. That's not, that's not what it's about for me right now. 
How about this? I think this is a really interesting one. Even when a Gentile woman, so, so you have Jewish people and you have Gentiles. So if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, right? So you have this Gentile woman comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to heal her daughter. And Jesus' response is this. He says, I was, only, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And you're like, whoa, those are strong words. Like essentially Jesus says, no, it's not my mission. My mission here, he puts up a boundary, right? It's like my mission here is to Israel and then Israel is going to take the good news to the world. My mission is Israel. Now, Jesus is compassionate at this moment and he ends up healing this woman's daughter anyway. But the point is clear. Even Jesus placed boundaries in his life. And so I want you to hear me this morning because I think God's word is really clear on this. Ready? Boundaries are good for us. Like boundaries are good for us in the context of relationships. And we're like, man, we need to be in relationships. It's so important. We need to be transparent. We need to open up our lives, our hearts to people. I get that. That's all true. However, we use wisdom in that. Boundaries are important for us. They allow us to take ownership and responsibility for what's ours and to not take ownership and responsibility for what's not ours, which makes me say this too. Boundaries are good for others, Right? Boundaries are good for other people. Not only are they helpful for us, but they're helpful for the people that we have a relationship as well because they help other people take ownership of their problems. Which, by the way, if we got an issue, if we got a really strong problem in our lives, we will not solve that problem until we recognize that it's our problem, right? I think about addiction, for example. You got a drug addiction. You don't get clean from a a drug addiction until you go, I have a problem. I have the problem may have started it from, you know, what other people have done to me, whatever, but I have a problem. Ownership is huge, right? It also, like when we, when we put a boundary so that other people take control of their problems, it keeps us from enabling them, right? And if we do it right, if we do it right, we show people the need that they have for God and not just the need for us. And so boundaries are really good. They're good for us and they're good for other people. One of the things that my son Luke likes, actually, he may be getting he may be getting a little too cool for this growing out of it. I don't know, um, but he he always liked Legos. You know, any you know, Lego people in here? No, a couple of them. Yeah. So so Legos, like Legos, are really different today than they were when I was a kid. When I was a kid, like the way that I played with Legos is I would build a wall out of Legos and then I would punch through it and I would break it. Like that's how I interacted with Legos. Today, Legos are really different. They are so complicated. So he's got like some of these Star Wars Lego creations, you know? And I'm not joking, the manual to put, the, you cannot put them together without the manual. And the manual is like 200 pages long. It is ridiculous, and it takes like two years to do it. It takes two years to put these things together. And, and what happens invariably, like we would put you know, these, these, you know, I don't even, Starship Destroyer, I don't know, one of these Star Wars things together. And it would take forever, and you'd be, you know, at a point where I've got like a little eight, I don't know, what do you call those things on the top of a Lego? I call them dots. Connectors, dots, receptors, I don't know what they're called. You got a little eight dot Lego, and your little eight dot Lego is supposed to fit just perfectly over this other piece, but the other piece only has six dots. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I made a mistake somewhere. And you go back and you're like, oh no, it's on step 127 and I'm on step 236. And you're like, you've ruined everything. You gotta go back and do it. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. Here's my question to you. Do you ever feel like that little six dot Lego in your life? Do you ever feel like, man, I got six dots to give 
That's all the connectors that I have left to give. And somebody is trying to put eight dots on my six dots that I got. You ever feel that way? There's a guy, um, a pastor out in California, his name's Larry Osborne, brilliant guy. He writes a lot too. And uh, he talks about this. It's, it's interesting. This is what he says. He says, I think, I like to think of people as being like Legos. We all have a limited number of connectors. Introverts have a few. Some extroverts have dozens. But either way, once they're full, they're full. And when that happens, we tend to be friendly, but not connect. And I think I really agree with that. Like, I, I have seen that to be true in my life. I'll bet many of you have seen that to be true in your life as well. We have, we each have a, li- and they're different, right? But we each have a limited number of relational connectors. We only have room for a limited number of deep relationships. Let me say that again, because it's really important. We only have room for a limited number of deep relationships. And we all know this intuitively, right? Like, I get it. I only have so much time. I only have, like, so much capacity to have relationships. And yet, it can still be very frustrating for us. It can be frustrating for us when others are trying to connect with us and we're like, I have no time. I have no connectors open, right? It can be frustrating for us when we're trying to connect with other people and they don't have any connectors open, right? And what happens if we try to jam more relationships onto our Lego than what we have space for? What happens then? Well, all those relationships that I currently have on my Lego that I go, these are really important to me. These are people I need to have deep, meaningful relationships with. All of them will suffer, or at least some of them will suffer. Why? Because I'm stretching myself too thin, right? And I don't have the capacity to have relationships with all of these people that wanna have deep, meaningful relationships with me. This is another reason, as we talk about boundaries, this is another reason that boundaries for us are really good. Boundaries make us better in our relationships. Boundaries make us better in our relationships. They help us in those relationships that matter most in our lives and they keep us from being stretched too thin. So boundaries within our relationships help us own and be responsible for what's ours. They help other people own and be responsible for what's theirs, right? Within those relationships. And boundaries also help us manage the number of people that we have deep, meaningful relationships with. And they keep us from being stretched too thin so that all of those relationships that we go, man, these are really important to me, These are people that I need to invest in so that we don't shortchange them, right? Now, I want to be clear here, Um, especially, you know, we're we're sitting here in church. We're talking about, like, the value of people and relationships. We talk about, you know, sharing life together, grace groups, all this stuff. Listen, we're still friendly with everybody, right? Like, we're still friendly with everyone. We're kind to, to everybody, We're helpful as we're, I can be helpful to people that I don't have time for a deep relationship with, right? Like I don't know how many people I've helped move over the years, like dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people. I I can be helpful. I can even make myself available for them as as I'm able for a time, but those deep relationships take more time and we can't shortchange those relationships by trying to have too many with too many people. Can, can I give you um, uh, just an example in my own life that I wrestle with? And I don't say this to, you know, like get garner sympathy or anything like that at all. Um, but I say it in transparency because I wrestle with this a lot. I, I could be gone with people every waking moment of my life. 
Like every waking moment, I could be with people, especially as our campus grows. And I love people. You know, like I, I love people. I love being with people. I, I genuinely enjoy hearing people's stories and their background and what they've been through. But as our camp, you know, maybe we got 400-ish people that come regularly to our campus here. At a campus our size, at a place our size, there are always crises, right? You, almost always more than one crisis. There, there are always celebrations, you know, like things that you're like, yes, this is awesome. I want to hang out with you. There are always uh, sicknesses. There's always surgeries. There's always needs that people have. And I think about that, and I'm like, I care. You know, I want to be there with people through those times. Part of the reason I get into ministry, like you want to be with people during those great, cel- I feel like marriages and funerals are, are like the, the fleshing out of this. You want to be with people during the wonderful times of life. It's awesome. I want to celebrate with you. And you want to be with people during those hard times of life because you go, I want to help you. I want to be there for you. However, if I am there for all of those moments that people have in their lives, how do you think that's going to affect the three most important Legos that are connected to me, that are dependent on me? Marsha, Luke, and Natalie, my wife and my two kids. What, what kind of husband, like what kind of depth of relationship do you think I could have with Marsha? What kind of husband do you think I could be? What kind of daddy do you think I could be with Luke and Natalie? Not a very good one, right? And so there's times I go, man, and and I'm not the exception to this. We're all this way, right? There's times that we go, I can't shortchange these ones that they have to have a big spot on my Lego. I can't shortchange that. And so what do we do? We have to put up boundaries. Not just pastors, but each of us have to put up boundaries. You ever tried to invest in somebody, like cultivate a relationship with somebody that doesn't have the capacity to have any more deep relationships? It's terrible, right? Like, it's no fun. It's really frustrating. It stinks, right? See, we need boundaries. Boundaries make us better in the relationships that matter most. So, so let me end um, with a million-dollar question. As I think about boundaries, um, my big question would be this, how do I know where to set boundaries? Right? Like, how, how do I know where to set the boundaries in my life? Right? Like, where do I put them? How do I know how, uh, to not be, like, too strict with my boundaries, and I box myself in, and I put up these walls, and I never let anybody see me, like this, cr- this shell around me, and I never let anybody in? Or how do I know to not like be too lenient in my boundaries? And I open myself up to everybody and I'm getting destroyed. I'm getting stepped on over and over and over again. How do I know when to say no to people and go, no, no, that's your issue. You're putting your issue on me. You're saying I'm the issue. It's your issue. It's your problem. And how do I know when to carry other people's burdens? Which is what we talked about earlier in this series, Galatians 6.2. Right? How do I know when to put up fences with people and go, no, I have to restrict your access to me? And how do I know when to just welcome people in? Here's my, I have an answer for you. You want my answer? It's a really good one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't answer that question for you. You can't answer that question for each other. I can only answer that question in conversation with God. Right? Because everything is situational. And we can, be, like, we can be in the exact same situation 
And God may be calling you to do something to respond differently than he's calling me to. That's normal. See, as human beings, we want like hard and fast rules. And we go, this applies in every situation. I never do this. I never let this person in. I, I, I've heard people say, um, when I'm driving down the road and I see somebody begging on the side of the road, I never give them anything. It's just, it's a, it's a boundary that I have. I never give them anything. And I think, okay, but what if God wants you to give that guy something? What if that guy's about to end his life and he needs somebody to talk to him? Right? It's, it's an ongoing conversation. How do, how do I know where to set the boundaries in my life? It's an ongoing conversation between me and the Lord. And boundaries change. There's people on my Lego today that weren't on my Lego 15 years ago. Right? There's people that were on my Lego 15 years ago that aren't on my Lego today. It's an ongoing conversation between me and the Lord. And, and I know this. Under the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, if we're followers of Jesus, we got to figure out how to balance love and compassion and grace with people, with wisdom and discernment and an understanding that we cannot be everything to everyone. And God never calls us to be. My challenge to you guys this morning is to think through the boundaries that you have up in your life as we talk about the value of relationships, we've got to do it right. And restricting access at some points to some people in our lives is wise. That's not selfish. That's not loveless. It's wise. What does it look like in your life to set boundaries?